0: Gang. Today I'm changing things up a bit and bringing you a preview of a new true crime podcast I'm really enjoying and I think you will too. It's called Bad Women and examines a perhaps little known but nonetheless horrific UK-based crime. In a gripping first season, historian Hallie Rubenhold uncovered the true stories of Jack the Ripper's victims and now she's back with the new season exploring the lives of the women murdered by another depraved killer, the Blackout Ripper. Halley takes listeners back to wartime London, whose buildings have been devastated by a rain of bombs, and where the streets have plunged into darkness. Over a single week in February 1942, the Blackout Ripper stalks these streets, hunting for his victims night after night in bars and clubs. Using new research from police files, court transcripts and exhaustive genealogical studies, Halley reconstructs the lives of the women the Blackout Ripper brutally attacked and murdered. These were women who were dismissed as mere good-time girls who were asking for trouble for choosing independent lives in the city and who were already in peril due to the war. In the preview you're about to hear, Greta Hayward finds herself walking through the blacked-out city with a lewd and menacing airman who just won't leave her alone. And with each step, her panic rises. Will she ever reach safety? Okay, here's the clip. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. You can hear more from bad women, the blackout ripper, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're alone on a city street. The darkness is total. It envelops you, pressing in. You stumble on, not knowing where the sidewalk ends and the road begins. You brush by a darkened building, bump into an unlit street lamp. You're desperate to reach safety, for somewhere in this neighbourhood looks a killer who strikes in the hours of darkness. The cruelty and viciousness of his crimes are unspeakable. This is not make-believe horror. This really happened, and it happened in living memory. Germany calling. Germany calling. It's a tale you've probably never heard before. A tale of forgotten women murdered in a city without light. This is London.
2: one can tell by the
3: of the lights the
1: For a year and a half, its department stores and palaces, its churches and factories. Its schools and homes have been blasted and burnt by waves of Nazi bombers. I saw my friend, her mother, and
2: her sister get killed. Even as Hitler and Göring, come night after night and bomb us.
1: Darkness is the only defence against the Blitz. I'm determined to define it and stop in my house. To make it harder for enemy aircraft to find the city, the lights have been dimmed. But the dark and dislocation of war also offers a serial killer cover to single out his victims. His prey are ordinary women who are just trying to make the best of things in London's bomb-damaged nightlife district.
3: Hiya, babe. What you doing tonight? Ah, watching.
1: Let's start in Piccadilly, which locals boastfully call the centre of the world. For as the guidebook says, anyone looking for a high life must sooner or later find themselves in Piccadilly Circus. Welcome to the Brasserie Universelle. It's a favorite haunt of flyers. Men from the air forces of France, Poland, Australia, Norway, South Africa, and a dozen other nations gather here to brag about the Germans they've shot down or drink to the memories of comrades lost.
3: Everybody either starts from here or ends up here,
1: says one young Canadian pilot in a letter home. Soon, this subterranean joint will burst at the seams with American GIs. Flush with cash, they'll transform this area into what locals will dub Little America. But today, Only a handful of Yanks are in town. For this is February 12th, 1942. It's a Thursday night and a young woman called Greta Haywood has come to town.
3: She's alone. Excuse me, are you waiting for somebody? The voice is an educated one, but perhaps a little affected,
1: as if its owner is trying to adopt the diction of a duke or earl. Or maybe it's the effect of the drink... His breath carries the sour reek of watered down wartime beer. He's a rather slight man of around five foot eight or nine, and he wears the blue wool uniform of a leading aircraftman in the Royal Air Force. On his cuff is a single stripe, a commendation for good conduct. Greta is waiting for someone. She has a date, she tells the stranger. Estranged from her husband, Greta's struck up a new relationship with a captain in the army. He'll join her here within the hour.
3: You are a very nice girl. I've been looking at you for some time.
1: Beneath the sweep of dark hair, the stranger has piercing pale blue eyes and rather sharp features that some consider handsome.
3: You shouldn't come down to a place like this. It's not very nice down here.
1: A place like this. The Brasserie Universelle is known by other names. Some call it the Universal Brasserie. Others refer to it simply as the Universal Brothel, to the annoyance of the owners. Any woman coming here alone is eyed with deep suspicion and assumed to be either a so-called good-time girl or a professional prostitute. Greta has allowed the stranger to buy her a drink, and he returns from the bar with two whiskies. She repeatedly declines his offers to take her to dinner, for her date will be here by
3: nine. We have plenty of time.
1: Eventually, she agrees to accompany the stranger to another bar for one more drink. The man retrieves his hat and winter coat from the cloakroom. He's no officer yet, but the white cotton flash on his cap shows he's in training to become a pilot, one of the most glamorous jobs in the armed services. They climb the steps up out of the brasserie and into the night. The streets here are busy, but Greta only hears the people around her, feels them bump past, or glimpses the bouncing red tips of their lighted cigarettes. For Piccadilly Circus, once famed for its vast illuminated signs advertising Hague whisky, Gordon's gin and Wrigley's gum, is completely blacked out. The headlamps of taxis and double-decker buses are also hooded, so only the tiniest chinks of light are visible. Many pedestrians have taken to carrying flashlights. As these darting glowworms pass, Greta might see the flash of a polished button on a military tunic. Or perhaps the fleeting silver shimmer of a fox fur coat. Such furs are de rigueur in Piccadilly. They're almost a uniform for the women who sell sex along this bustling thoroughfare. A visiting American serviceman remembered one particular woman in a fur coat. Underneath that, she didn't have any clothes on. True story the airman leads Greta away from Piccadilly Circus to a cocktail bar, the Salted Almond. To her relief, this is no dark and sleazy dive. The bar is decorated in a brilliant shade of vermilion and it's spacious and well-lit. They sit at one of the round tables, far from the other customers, out of earshot. The airman doesn't remove his heavy outdoor coat as they drink two more whiskies. He seems keen to move on. Where do you live? Greta's home is 12 or more stops away on the subway.
3: That's a long way. Don't you know anywhere around here that we can go?
1: The airman clearly won't be satisfied with simply buying Greta a drink and walking her back to meet her captain.
3: Are you a naughty girl?
1: Inwardly, Greta bristles at the crude insinuation... But she answers, simply, no. I'll show you something. The man reaches deep into his pocket and pulls out a fat bundle of
3: banknotes. There's £30 there. You see, I have plenty of money.
1: £30 is more than eight months' pay for this leading aircraftman. Greta repeats that she'll be late for her date with the captain. He asks if he can meet Greta again To show her a good time. Perhaps Greta doesn't want to anger this man in uniform. She reluctantly hands him a scrap of paper bearing her telephone number. She stresses that she's not interested in having sex
3: with him. All right. If you don't want to, I can't make you. Do you know? I knocked a girl out once. It's cold outside.
1: And in this quiet side street, it's Bible black. Greta realises this isn't the quickest route back to the Brasserie Universelle and her waiting date. But, perhaps to avoid enraging a clearly violent man, Greta follows his odd route without objecting. She does, however, take a flashlight from her purse to illuminate their path.
3: You don't want to use the torch...
1: He grabs the light from her hand and plunges them back into darkness.
3: I want to kiss you goodnight. Aren't there any air raid shelters round here?
1: Greta doesn't know, but she is certain of one thing. She doesn't want to venture into a secluded, unlit bunker with this man. He grabs her and steers her into a doorway, pushing closely up against her and kissing her.
3: Come on. You've got to let me make love to you.
1: He raises her skirt. Greta protests and pushes his hands away. The airman reaches up, as if to cradle her face for another kiss. But instead, his hands knit around her throat. She tries to break free.
3: You won't. You won't.
1: Greta struggles to release the man's grip, but his fingers only tighten around her neck, cutting off the flow of air to her lungs and blood to her brain.
3: You won't. You won't.
1: Greta Hayward loses consciousness.
3: You, know, I knocked on the door. you, won't. you won't. You are you not a nice girl. I've been like, looking at you for some time. Yeah.
1: Greta is not this killer's first victim, nor will she be the last. Over the course of just a few days in that chilly wartime February, women were attacked night after night, on the blacked-out streets of London, in deserted air raid shelters, even in their own homes. In this series, you'll hear the stories of Evelyn Hamilton, Evelyn Oatley, Margaret Lowe, Greta Haywood, Catherine Mulcahy, and Doris Joinet. from their birth to the moment when their attacker struck. I'm social historian Hallie Rubenhold, In the last season of Bad Women, I explored the case of Jack the Ripper by telling the famous Victorian story of the Whitechapel murders through the lens of the victims. The Ripper Retold was based on my book, The Five. But this new season of Bad Women springs from all new research. It's a mammoth task, so I enlisted the help of journalist and criminologist Alice Fiennes.
2: I'd never heard of this case before, which was puzzling. The murderer, that airman, was especially brutal in his attacks on the women. And such cruelty usually ensures that a killer is remembered, even assigned a dark celebrity. But over the years, this particular story has been talked about very little, and the victims even less so. Why? To change that, and to restore those women to memory, we set about reconstructing their lives. We've mined the National Archives and sifted through thousands of yellowing pages. Police reports, witness statements, photos, fingerprint records and newspapers. We've even had an expert genealogist trace the women's family trees for clues. Weighing up all this material, I was struck by the fact that, on the surface at least, there's little to connect these victims. They range in age from their 20s to their mid-40s. Some were married, but others were separated. All resolutely single. Some sold sex, one was a highly qualified graduate, and another dreamt of a life on the stage. But there are a few points of connection, and these are illuminating. In wartime London, these women shared common experiences. They faced the same risk as men from the falling bombs, but the hardships and upheavals of the war often affected them disproportionately war had turned the old social and moral order on its head. As a result, women like the ones in our story had new opportunities, but they were also viewed with suspicion and disapproval for trying to work, live and love as they pleased in a world in turmoil. The other
1: awful point of intersection for these women was that they all found themselves isolated and alone. And that gave the airman, with the affected aristocratic accent, his opportunity to strike. In their moments of vulnerability, he beat and throttled them with his bare hands, robbed them of money and possessions, and then set about mutilating and defiling their bodies with anything at hand from razors to kitchen
2: implements, even
1: their own flashlights.
2: Unsurprisingly, The ferocity and sadism of these murders prompted the papers to liken him to a killer who had terrorised the city a full 50 years earlier. You're listening to Bad Women, The Blackout Ripper. Back in just a moment.
0: That was a preview of the new season of Bad Women. Find Bad Women from Pushkin Industries wherever you get your podcasts.